Welcome back to For the Girls. We are coming at you live from the Bellagio with an incredible member of the Mercedes-AMG Patronus Formula One team, Carrie Donahue. She is the Motorsport Legal Director at Mercedes and has been with the team for 10 years. We are so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for being here. First, before, we can't wait to dive into your whole story and everything Mercedes, but we're in Vegas for the first time yeah. since the 80s at least. How are you feeling? Uh, jet lagged, first <laughs> yeah, and right. foremost. But uh, yeah, it's super It's super cool. It's new, it's different. Um, it's bonkers. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's yeah, great. It's I mean, it's the first race. There's always some teething problems, but um, yeah, so far, I'm enjoying it. Are Good. you enjoying it? We're having a blast. We're having the best time. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll dive a little bit into your background. Tell us how you even got started with Mercedes. Did you always have an interest in motorsport? Uh, the answer is no. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, to go way back, obviously I went to law school. Um, when everyone does law school, they all think that they're going to change the world. Um, every <laughs> Which is important. That's a good mentality. And change the world. Uh, yeah, still believe that. Um, so yeah, I graduated and uh, actually really struggled to find um, my first role out of um, law school. So I ended up taking um, the job in a post room of a law firm. Okay. Um, it's not exactly, <laughs> not exactly what I thought I was going to do. But yeah, so I ended up um, delivering posts to all the lawyers and um, every week I would ask them, can I have um, a job? Like in oh the, and after about six months they gave in, like, okay, you can have a paralegal job. <laughs> so um, I did that for two years and then an opportunity come up at Mercedes-Benz Road Cars to take mm -hmm. an internship. So again, it wasn't quite, I wasn't um, continuing my legal profession as such, but I thought, let's try it, let's do the experience and then I can go back to my law firm. Um, so I went to Mercedes-Benz Road Cars so I went there, I couldn't even drive a car. <laughs> so, so That's a good place to learn. <laughs> I had to get two buses to um, to there, eventually actually passing my test when I was there. It's, the UK driving test is very difficult. And also we're, we're New Yorkers and it's very common for people to not drive Well, there we go. So yeah, I was um, yeah, a little bit older, passed my test. Um, See, so yeah, I did that for one year and actually I was negotiating a contract with someone in Formula One. and. Mm -hmm. My only experience of Formula One growing up was my mum was a massive Michael Schumacher fan mm. and it was always on TV. So I knew about Formula One, but didn't, you know, didn't have a huge interest at that time. Um, and the person I was negotiating with on the other side in the F1 team, I said, why don't you come over and have a look around the factory? Just it was one week before I was due to go back to my law firm. I said, sure, I'll come over now that I can drive. Um, I can drive over in my little smart car. And uh, yeah, I arrived and unbeknown to me, it was um, a semi-informal interview. One week before you were set to leave. One week before wow. I was set to leave. And yeah, they offered me a job 10 years ago as a legal assistant. Um, and I thought, I'm not sure, I don't know. And he said, well, come for us for six months. If you like it, we'll give you a training contract. So a training contract in legal senses, you have to spend two years before you're formally qualified. Mm -hmm. If you like it, um, then perhaps we'll, you can train here. So yeah, I went for six months and 10 years later, I've had a few uh, different jobs in between. Now you're sitting at the Bellagio in one of the best roles ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Incredible. So we would love to hear more about your current role. I'm actually a lawyer as well. And ah. I 
love hearing one thing that's so interesting about the profession is how different people's day-to-days are. So what is kind of your standard day in the life if there is one? Are there particular problems or issues that you're usually tackling? Well, before I get into that, now I know you're a lawyer. (laughs) Now I know why your Concord episode was so good. (laughs) And and why you know about the PU26 regulations. I was was thinking these girls need a job my team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, We do love getting into that. Yeah, <laughs> even on the finance side, I was very impressed. Well, Tiggy used to work in yeah. banking. Well, there we go. Yes. The full, the full. Lots of different industries going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my day today, there's no day today. Um, that's kind of normal. I think um, how I would explain it is we kind of split it in into, into different areas. We have commercial, um, which is very much all about the sponsorship and um, you know doing the sponsorship contracts and. All of the things that you might see, like, for example, this Las Vegas Grand Prix, obviously there was a lot of contracts that needed doing for that, with marketing, that kind of side of things. So just general income. Then we have the day-to-day business. So if you strip away Formula One, what you have is an engineering company. Exactly. Yeah, so day-to-day business. um, You have a large amount of employees. You have employment law. You have... um, you know, we, lots of purchasing contracts. We travel to many, many races every year. We've got many hotels, so you have to contract with all of yeah. those. Um, then you have the regulatory side, sports regulatory side, which is probably what people are most interested in. So that is interpreting, advising on the contract, uh, advising on the regulations to which there is a huge amount, <laughs> but you know that because yeah. you've read them. <laughs> um, and then I also have, um, you mentioned uh, the board roads so I'm company secretary and there's quite a lot that goes on with um, just the corporate side of things so um, no day to day I would say but kind of those are the four main areas that we would look at and I have we have a team of 10 at Mercedes in the legal wow. team wow. Um, which is a fantastic great team and yeah. we go through all of that. S- sounds like you guys do a lot just for Keeping 10 people. You all busy only 10 people. Yeah, yeah you don't realize kind of how much a formula one team generates in terms of just day to day legal um but yeah it's good fun that's such a good way to refer to it as also having an engineering company if you strip away the team and that presents all of its own legal challenges that's so interesting yeah well we were at the marriott panel with toto yesterday and he was saying if you think about it like the majority of the employees it's just engineers like it is that um, and actually talking about sponsors, he was talking, We were. it was the Total Wolf Marriott Bonvoy panel, and they talked a lot about what it means to be a good sponsor. And so when you're negotiating sponsor contracts, what does that look like? Is it particularly challenging? Are there certain things that you have to watch out for? Um, I would say the sponsorship contracts are probably the easiest okay. of negotiations because what you're doing is actually getting into a partnership with yeah. another company that wants to be mm-hmm. partnered with you. You both want the same end goal. You want to... Mm-hmm. You want to be able to announce that partnership. Um, and I think when you think of it like that, it's very straightforward. Um, the negotiations of a sponsorship contract is always making um, the other side see your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. OK, well, it doesn't quite work like that in Formula One or this is how it works. So um, the sponsorship is actually really good. It's good fun. You tend to get to know the partners right at the start. We sensed that yesterday. It was a very friendly rapport between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, probably a little bit difficult sometimes uh, when it's cross-jurisdictional. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So if, um, if you're dealing with uh, lawyers in the US, obviously 
I'm trained in the UK, they'll normally be trained in the US and sometimes that can be a little bit tricky but um, normally we get through it okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's good to hear that the sponsor contracts are relatively easy, but a topic on everybody's mind all the time is driver contracts. Yeah. So I imagine there are so many things that goes into those conversations. What is that process like, as much as you can kind of say about it? Okay, what can I say? Um, every, I think what is interesting is people don't really realize how many driver contracts you do. So yeah. when you've asked me that question, you're thinking about George and Lewis. Yeah. Um, we actually have, I think, don't quote me on this, but maybe like 18 drivers yeah. on our roster. So, wow. um, so whether they're young drivers or, um, you know, we might have some very young drivers in Carton. Um, we might, we manage some drivers and yeah, we obviously have our main drivers. So every, every negotiation is completely different. Mm -hmm. um, someone like negotiating the Lewis contract is actually really straightforward um, because you know, he's been with the team for so exactly. long. Yeah. You know, there's you know, there's a framework in place. Um, again with George, um I've known George since I think he was about seventeen. So wow. um, so he's been with the team <laughs> a long time. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. So of course, um that's again we just have that relationship and I think once you create a trust and relationship with the drivers and again a bit like the partners you want the same thing yeah. Yeah. Um, we obviously want the best for drivers and and you know that it makes total sense for everyone to be happy in that scenario um, but yeah there's a lot that goes into them there's yeah, yeah probably <laughs> can't go into it too much yeah. but uh, confidentiality but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, as a diehard Mercedes and Lewis fan, I skipped down the sidewalk, clicking my heels when that contract got announced. Yeah, I was, me too. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> For different reasons, I'm yeah. sure, just getting over the hump. Yeah, exactly. But that's so great. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. And in terms of the driver contracts in the past, 
couple years, Vegas is such a great example of this, of the explosion of popularity in the U.S. And there's so many more obligations on teams now with the additional race burdens, more travel, more partner appearances. Does that make kind of driver contracts more difficult figuring out all the sponsor work they'll do as well? I think it's a little bit more generic than that. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't go into, um, certainly in my experience, you wouldn't go into specific details. Okay, we've, we've now got Las Vegas. It's more about the amount of time that you have and yeah. using that time mm -hmm. appropriately. Yeah. And also um, our goal is to win races and win championships and your driver needs to be yeah. in the best shape for that. Yes. So um, it's, all, it's all really about the management. We don't go into too much detail about that in the contracts. And I have one follow-up on the contracts that I have to ask, but feel free to, to say no. Do contracts ever, like in your experience, have any sort of stipulations around performance or performance goals for each of the drivers? I, the reason why I can't answer that, I would love to answer that, but the reason I can't answer that is because I'd probably be breaching confidentiality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good try though, good try. <laughs> I want to ask a little bit about the Concord Agreement and then also just kind of cost cap and how that's made your job maybe more complicated or the things you think about over the past few years with that being more in yeah. play. Yeah, so... Um, it's a little bit more complicated because obviously we have another set of regulations, right, which yeah. there is just a huge amount already. I would say we're probably, we've got the sport and regulations. Obviously, we don't review the technical regulations, but sometimes things will cross and you need to check them. The international sport and code, financial regulations, um, power unit regulations. So wow. there's just, and Concord on top of that, as you mentioned. Um, so the financial regulation, another set of regulations to interpret. Um, to advise on. Um, so again, in addition, that's, that is um, super important. And also uh, the legal function is an excluded activity. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you tend to find that you're probably a little bit busier than you were before with the same resource. So right. um, that's probably the main, that would say the main squeeze of that one. And so when you have some of that crossover or bleeding over where you're having to look at, say, technical regulations, what do you do if you don't understand the technical concept? Like, what, what does that look like for you? Who do you go to? So I generally, all of the time, I don't understand the <laughs> technical <laughs> regulations. Um, but we have an amazing technical director, James, mm -hmm. um, who has this amazing ability to explain a very complicated technical topic mm -hmm. in the most lemon of terms. Um, so he will explain it to me and sometimes he'll draw little diagrams. <laughs> that is a very special in. If we <laughs> could have him drawing diagrams for us, that would be very, very cool. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really good. So yeah, if there's a topic that we don't quite understand. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I usually have drawings in the back of my notebooks. <laughs> That's great. And as we're thinking about, I know it's still a few years out, but 2026 regulations changing. Yeah. Are you all thinking about that actively at this point? And how much is that playing into kind of the legal side of things? I'm not really thinking about it yet. Mm -hmm. So for um, our legal function, it's just going to be about when we receive those set of regulations, yeah. then we'll digest them. What I like to do is create um, like a little guidebook. So um, the main, the main focus would be the sport and regulations. Mm -hmm. So they'll be published. I don't know if they'll change. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we do like a little guidebook just to make sure that everyone on our team knows exactly. It's more, it's a lot easier to, um, 
to simplify those regulations. They are complicated, yeah. like yeah. they are really complicated. Um, into like a visual notebook, um, which is uh, that's a great the idea. Be the best way to sort of figure that out. Um, we need to do that with some of the other regulations. Actually, I haven't <laughs> quite got around to it, but I will. <laughs> How do you interface with the trackside team? So you're, of course, here in Vegas. Do you usually travel to races or when issues might pop up with the FIA or with the stewards on a race weekend? How do you all handle that? So um, in our legal team, we tend to, so there's th four of us that cover races. Um, so I tend to come to maybe like four or five a year, but not necessarily because there's any issues. Sometimes when people see me trackside, they're like, why are you here? I'm like, it's Vegas, of course I'm here. Um, yeah, so, uh, so we actually just cover, make sure that we review all of the, the notes and make sure that if there is ever a scenario where the team needs some advice, then we are either here in person to advise but more generally we get on the time zone and we cover the race weekend um wow. we we'll get on the time zone we cover the race weekend oh. um but i'd probably do that anyhow because <laughs> even though 10 years ago i didn't know anything about motorsport i actually love it now, now you know everything. i'm fully invested <laughs> um so it's not that much of a burden um at all it's actually really enjoyable You'd be up at a strange hour watching the race anyway. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think that's all of our lives. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, that's how we cover it, make sure. But thankfully, touch wood, uh, not too many issues arise. It's more just general clarifications and making sure that we've interpreted, interpreted the rules in the same way. So thinking about your general role as a leader at, at the team, what sorts of things are you thinking about that excite you? Is it like... Your, the team's performance, is it CSR or sustainability or diversity? What sorts of things excite you like from your leadership hat? All of them, <laughs> all of Great them. Um, so things that excite me, uh, obviously this sport, there's always a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, there's always something to think about, something to, um, to really get your uh, brain in gear. Mm -hmm. um, as a leader, I'm excited that I have um, a really ambitious team. So uh, around me, um, obviously I'm here and I'm speaking, but I couldn't do half of the things I do without the amazing legal team that I have. Um, and so it's uh, about providing growth for them and making sure that nice. um, we recruit the right people. Uh, team performance, obviously that's always <laughs> super exciting. The North Star. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, again, super exciting. Uh, ESG is hugely important to the team. I know that you had Ali on talking yes. about sustainability. Yes, she was incredible. Yeah, listen to that. That's, I mean, she, she covered that so eloquently. But um, that's exciting, especially from a legal perspective, because and we have to make sure that what we say is what we do, because yeah. um, it's really important to the team and to our reputation that um, everything we put down is what we actually deliver yeah. so that's really important and of course dni is really important yeah. um i mean you know you've created this podcast it's females in formula one is it, you know it there's not that many of us right? it's the new frontier yeah. <laughs> exactly there's not that many of us um but that is uh, hugely exciting and i think when with netflix there's obviously a lot more female fans which yeah. is great um, but in addition to that, just seeing the growth of the team and the more and more super inspiring females that come into the team mm -hmm. um, is 
Yeah, <laughs> exciting. That's probably the thing that excites me most, actually. Oh, that's so great to hear. On that topic, we like to ask every woman or every woman in the sport this question. Um, what is it like sort of, you know, having paved this path and being one of the relatively, unfortunately, few women at such senior levels? And do you have advice for other women or even young girls kind of looking to get into motorsport in any way, whether that's fandom, whether that's at a team? Yeah. So it's interesting you said that. So um, the other night I actually met uh, three 16-year-old girls mm -hmm. who um, were currently studying maths, physics, science. I was like, wow. no additional. <laughs> and they wanted to be engineers. And mm -hmm. they also asked me the same question. And I was like, just keep, like, keep, if that's your goal, go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no barriers at all. Um, you know, sometimes... You know, you just have to be probably a little bit more resilient. Mm -hmm. Always be yourself. Um, always be humble. And I think um, just encourage other females as well to um, inspire and grow and make sure that everyone around you feels supported mm -hmm. and uh, get, get a mentor. Yeah. It's really important. Um, so all of those things combined probably would be my advice. Yeah. But it's not easy. Um, hopefully getting but easier it's, yeah. it's definitely getting easier yeah. and there are lots of inspiring females in Formula 1 and I think that's what's great about this podcast because you're shining a light on them <laughs> well I love that you said just like keep at it I think you in the mailroom asking for a job every week is like the yeah. perfect <laughs> example of that so yeah. that's amazing so we always like to end our interviews on a fun light note we do some hot takes so we're going to ask you a few quick questions and just give us your first your first thought they're easy they're so fun okay so you got here Thursday night what is the most surprising thing about Las Vegas so far the most surprising thing about Vegas so far um you can still smoke inside. We said the, we same, said the thing. same thing. Yes. We're shocked. We got into our hotel. We were like, whoa. And we're American. It's like yeah. an, another world out here. Yeah. I know. That's <laughs> probably not what you're expecting to hear. <laughs> same same but, wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How about your favorite game in a casino? If you were going to hit the casino floor, what are you going to play? Okay, this is really embarrassing. So I have been to Vegas once before, nice. and it was on my honeymoon, we were on a little American road That's trip. iconic. And oh, I know, awesome. big mistake. If you're coming to Vegas, go with the girls. Yeah. Don't go with your new husband. Anyhow, so I was like, let's put some money aside to gamble. That'll be, that'll be good fun. Um, but uh, I ended up going on the Monopoly machine. And so you want to really <laughs> want to go on this Monopoly machine, yeah. but I don't, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. So $200 later, <laughs> and the Monopoly did not pay off for oh, me. No. So Nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for well it. for my uh, evening. We haven't really played anything yet, I think. Yeah. I only, I've only lost $3 so far. Well done. <laughs> Does that mean that you've won? No. <laughs> oh, okay. We're, we're in the red so far as a team, but <laughs> this evening we'll see. We're going to set ourselves a small budget and see where we, we can I go. mean, um, you're, if you're a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. The balance of risk is not in your favor. <laughs> Sarah won't play. We're, yeah. we're a risk-averse yeah. group here. The house always wins, yeah. You okay. Finance, you know, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Calculated risk is yeah. our thing, so... <laughs> Um, speaking of Vegas, the sphere, if yeah. you were to see one artist perform in the sphere, who would it be? You too. Oh, I am Sarah. gutted <laughs> that I've missed um, you too, but 
I would love to see you two at the Sphere. Yeah. That show looks amazing. Hopefully they'll be back soon. I went with my parents. My dad's from Dublin originally. Most of my family's in oh. Ireland. And Bono's kind of our main main famous person. So it was very exciting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's great. It's yeah. super annoying he didn't stick around for the race, I right? I know. We were laughing at his funny video where he was talking about who they would all be as as Formula One drivers. We're handing the city back to, or we're handing the city to Formula One, Formula but we'll yeah. be back. And who did he say was Lewis? Was um, he not Lewis? No. He, he said he was Daniel Ricciardo. I think it maybe was the bass player. The guitarist. Yeah. 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 Was Lewis. Edge. The edge, yeah. Um, and final question, your favorite Grand Prix to go to? Um, Budapest. Ooh. Oh. We haven't got that answer yet from anyone. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell by our reaction. We like... Yeah, what what is it like? What What's your favorite about it? It's, um, I mean, the track layout is super fun. Um, you can see quite a lot of the track no matter where you stand. Oh, nice. Um, the city is fun, Lovely. really good yeah. fun. Um, and it has a great night out. Okay, so we'll add that to our list. Montreal and then... Everyone listening, Budapest next year. Catch us all there. Let's go. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. This has been amazing. We love chatting with super women like you. So this has been a really great time, and we hope you guys have a good rest of your Thank weekend. you. You cheering for Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.